Welcome to the Navigation Church Podcast, featuring practical and encouraging weekly messages from one of our pastors or featured guests. Make sure and subscribe to this podcast so you never miss a single message. Every message is committed to helping you discover and take your next step in a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And now, here's today's message with Pastor David Amston. Uh, This morning, we're going to get kicked off into a conversation called Christ in You. But before we get to that, uh, we finished up the last worship song by just saying, you are worthy of it all. And I feel like it was a real time of, if I could say it this way, like intercession, making rather than just singing to God, interceding to God. And while we were singing that, my heart began getting really heavy. And you, you may be here in person, you may be watching this online, that as we were declaring, God, you're worthy of it all, you started feeling a heaviness inside of you because you feel like you've been giving to God. You've been faithful, you've been praying, you've been talking to him, but you yourself have felt dormant from the relationship with him. And can I just say this? I even felt like almost like anger coming up of how can I declare this again? And I just want to let you know, and again, I don't know if you're here in person or if you're listening to this online and this needs to be for you, but I felt like God wanted me to start today by saying this, is he knows where you're at and he's never left you. He knows where he's at, you're at, and he's never left, left you. And so even though if you're feeling empty, if you're feeling alone, if you're feeling abandoned, and then you say, I'm supposed to give it to them all, I thought I had, God is sitting there going, he knows right where you're at. And so if that's you, if you're here today, maybe you came here just needing that one word, just so you know, God cares enough that during worship, rather than me just singing, I couldn't stop listening to him. And, I, and just so you know, this seems like one of those like real easy things of, hey, God hasn't forgot you, but you came here today needing to hear that. And he's worthy of it. He's worthy for us to stop everything we're doing for one person to say the words that he's with you. Amen? If, by the way, if that is you, if that's you online, make sure to drop a comment. Come see myself afterwards. Stop by one of our booths. We love knowing that not only is God speaking, but there's voices and or ears that need to hear him. Amen? Amen. Well, if you're ready for week number two of Christ in you, put your hands together. Make sure you're awake. Week number two, Christ in you. The conversation that we're having is based out of Colossians 1. We are going to touch on this Colossians 1 passage all four weeks. And in addition to that, the goal is to give you some practical application of what to do after you hear about this big, massive secret that God has for us. Now, the secret is, ready for this? I'm going to go ahead and spoil it for you right now here at the beginning because we talked about it last week, is this. Christ lives in you, not a building. No one has ever come to this building before, laid their head on a wall, and asked for prayer. Never Never in the history. And if they did, we would stop it. That's just weird. We don't do weird. We do normal. Normal is Jesus. Jesus works through people. Christ lives in you. So the whole thought that we want to have in all four weeks is this thought here. Being in Christ 
prepares me for heaven. So the moment you say a prayer, the moment out of your lips, you believe that Jesus Christ is Lord, you believe that 2,000 years ago there was a man that stepped out of heaven into earth, clothed himself with flesh, walked on this earth for 33 years, and raised up some disciples underneath him, known as you know Peter and James and John and those disciples. You believe that he died on the cross not only did he die on the cross, but three days later he came back to life. And the moment you say, I need that man in my life because without him I am a sinner, not saved by grace, but through him I am a sinner saved by grace, that one day when I close my eyes I get to go to heaven. Okay, So being in Christ prepares me for heaven. But having Christ in me prepares the earth for heaven. Why did we possibly say, do the Lord's Prayer earlier today? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How is it that you as an individual can possibly bring heaven into earth? Here's what it is. You work on you. This side is dead. I'm coming over here. Like, good God, that was fantastic. So when it comes to having Christ in you, the hope of glory. Give me one second. Seriously, man, that's how you guys are supposed to do it. So I'll be right back. I'll give you another shot. Like, there's one thing about me knowing that all I'm going to do is one day die and go to heaven, and that's fantastic. But what a waste of a life here on earth. When I have Christ in me, I get to prepare the earth for heaven because I am preparing myself for heaven to be inside of. The earlier one was better, but I think we're all on the same page. So, so what we did last week, a quick review, I just want to touch on it because it was a thought that came out of it. We studied out of Matthew 25, and in Matthew 25, at the end of times, God is going to divide people up, and he's going to divide the goats from the sheep. He's going to divide the right from the left, and basically, when he goes to divide this group up, he's going to say things like this. Did you feed those who needed to be fed? Did you give drink to those who needed drink? Did you uh, uh, visit those who were in prison that needed people to visit them? Did you clothe people that were naked? And there's people who say, yes, I did that. And he goes, congratulations, you did that to me. So come over here to my right-hand side. And so, by the way, today I'm going to be doing a bunch of right-hand and left-hand. And I understand that my right is your left. And so I've been trying to think, could I do the whole sermon in reverse? That answer is no. I do not lack that ability to say left when it's my right and right when it's in my left. So you're just going to have to figure it out as we go along. But God, in Matthew 25, he's dividing the groups up. And these groups eventually go, wait, Jesus, you're saying that if we did these to the least of them, it's like we did it to you. But when did we do it to you? When you did it to the least of them. And so we have to come to an understanding one of the ways that we bring heaven into earth is by acting like every person that we see that's not us is a little Jesus that we can touch. And here's why this is important. So at the beginning of time, by the way, sometimes my analogies make a lot of sense in my head, but they, they don't when I start doing them. So let's just see if this one makes sense. So at the beginning of time, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formed and without void. Blah, blah, blah. He eventually made man. And when he made man, he clothed him. And by the way, I just realized I picked the thickest jacket possible on this summer day to do this. So let's sweat together and preach together. So Adam and Eve, if I can say this, God formed and fashioned them in his image. 
and his image, it was good looking and it was nice. And then Adam and Eve went walking through the garden and someone said, hey, I have a different idea for you, but in order for you to listen to me, I'm going to have to dress you a little differently. Now, this may make sense to you, but here's what it says. It says that Adam and Eve took from the garden, from that tree, and ate of it. And the moment they ate of it, they realized they were naked. Why were they naked? Because they dropped the God clothes that God had said, and they had chosen to put on a different outfit by a different master. And this outfit, though, is known as sin and death. And so now Adam and Eve are now walking around, and God looks at them and goes, listen, I have a certain, like when it comes to my garden, there's like a certain outfit. There's a certain criteria. It's, a, it's suit and tie only. And the problem is you're not wearing my clothes anymore known as holiness, so I need to move you out of the garden. And so for thousands of years, rather than having the image of Christ dressed what God had called us to dress, we were dressed in sin and death. And God was going, listen, I don't want you to die under sin and death, so you can do animal sacrifices, and it will kind of hold off sin and death. But eventually, you're going to be like, this is the only thing that we have to wear now. Why? Because we said yes to Satan, no to Jesus, right? We went team Satan. So now we have this, and by the way, if anyone wants the big terms... It's our Adamic nature. It's our inherited design that we're now wearing versus our intended design of the creator. But the whole time that God's up in heaven and we're walking around here on earth and what are we doing? Well, we're killing people. You know, we're having animal, or we're having baby sacrifices. We're building temples to foreign gods. We're worshiping foreign gods. Rather than having one man and one woman, we would have, and by the way, this is just one of our kings, 400 women and 600 concubines. Like we just, we were doing everything ungodly. And eventually Jesus stepped back onto earth and he had a whole different outfit on the whole time. And he was saying to us, my desire is for you to wear holiness and righteousness, not sin and death. And so why is it so important that we do things to the least of people? And ready for this, this is, this is just an amazing thought for you to think of. The moment we help people that can't help themselves or are merciful to them, it's our ability to roll back the curse off of them. We come up to them, and rather than dressing them in what they've always been dressed in, we say we have something else to dress you in, and it's not sin and death. And so the moment we say in Matthew... You did these to the least of these. What is the primary thing that we are actively doing on people? Giving them a handout so they can get a burger? No, we're trying to reverse this curse of sin and death on their life. We're trying to pull back the darkness that is in their world. We're not trying to just free them from jail. We're trying to free them from an eternal jail that they will always be in and they'll always have it if this is the thing that they're always wearing. So why is it important for us to understand the secret of Christ in you. This is our way to participate with Jesus to roll back the curse of sin and death in other people's lives. 
So this is why this conversation is so important for us to have today, and I have a feeling we'll come back to those in a little bit. So we participate with Christ in helping those in needs when we contribute to the larger task of rolling back the curse that is inherited in mankind. We don't want their inherited nature, their Adamic nature. You know what I want? I want my intended design by my creator. And guys, we know the difference between this. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, kindness, goodness. Do I need to keep going? There's only a couple more fruits that I can cover. This one is anger, hostility, um, pride, arrogance, unforgiveness, resentment, bitterness. If I were to ask you right now, which jacket do you want to wear? Right? It's the right side one every single time. But the problem is our left side outfits continue to try to show up. So now, in doing this, here's what I want to do. I want to now cover our key scripture. If you missed last week, that is a big summary of it, but this week we're going to jump back into Colossians 1, 24 through 29. If you have your Bibles, open up with us. You can always download our app where there's additional sermon notes in there that you can follow along. For those watching online, make sure to be interacting with our our moderators right now. They'd love to hear from you. It says the word now, quick pause, Now, we didn't cover last week, so we need to cover it this week. Anytime you see the words, therefore, or now, what we should do is look at what we're about to talk about compared to what we just read. So when you look at Colossians, the Apostle Peter just took a bunch of time to talk about the glory of Christ, the deity of Christ, the majesty of Christ, how he exalts Christ as the supreme being. He's the head of the church, the firstborn of the dead, the firstborn of everything. He is talking about, in first part of Colossians here, the reconcil- talking about the gospel of reconciliation. What, God, what, what are we being reconciled? We are being reconciled back to our intended design. And what is our intended design? Our intended design is to be little Christ walking around on earth looking just like the big Christ that is now gone. And so Paul has been talking all about this gospel of reconciliation. He said, listen, before the blood of Jesus, there wasn't peace among God and mankind. But through the blood of Jesus Christ, you've been reconciled back unto him. And, And by the way, Even those of you that were far from God, that were aliens to God, who were Gentiles unto God, you should just know that even through this blood of Jesus, you have been reconciled near to God. So now that we're all on the same page of how awesome King Jesus is, I want to rejoice in what I am suffering with you. Wait, what? Like, never will this be a best-selling book in America in 2023 when it opens up with, I rejoice in the suffering that I am going along with you. Oh, and by the way, my flesh, I'm going to fill up my flesh, what is still lacking into Christ's afflictions. See, one of the things that Christ did is he paid the debt for all sins. But the problem is we are still all going to suffer. And if we think we're in it by ourselves, alone, we are missing out that that wasn't what Christ intended. Christ meant to stand next to us and walk with us in these things. And for the sake of his body, his being Jesus, which is the church, I have become a servant by the commission God gave me, present to you the word of God in its fullness. 
And by the way, and this is the big secret that we keep talking about, the mystery, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. If you're a, Lord's, a part of the Lord's people today, can I get a yes? yes? See, pastors just do that to make sure you haven't fallen asleep yet. Just so you know, like we just, it's just inside baseball talk there. And so ready for this, verse 27. To them... God has chosen to make it known among the Gentiles the glorious riches uh, of this mystery. And what is the mystery? Christ in you, the hope of glory. It, it was, I was watching an uh, old movie just the other night, and it was interesting because these people were in a hurry to get somewhere, and some tragedy happened on the other side of the road where people needed help with a car. And the person driving goes, we have too much to do, we'll, we'll go don't worry, someone else will come along. And the guy in the back seat said, someone else has come along. And it was just an interesting thought of, do we live our life thinking that someone else will come along and deal with the situation? Or are you there realizing that that is a situation and God is now clearly saying, congratulations, someone has come along. Who has come along? The Christ in me. This new jacket, this new outfit, this new belief system that I'm wearing on side of me. And so God has given you the ability to understand that Christ is in you. He's the hope of glory. He is the one uh, we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature to Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend. Are we passive in our faith? Are we okay just coming on Sunday mornings, punching a clock and walking out the door? When you need help, you ask someone else to pray for you. When you have a question about the Bible, you ask someone else what it says versus reading. No, no, no. We're here as followers of Christ, and I've said this last week. I'm going to say this probably all four weeks of this conversation we're having. If you are looking at it for a church that is okay with you being passive in your Christianity, you're probably not going to be comfortable here. Why? Because I strenuously, I ongoing, I intentionally... I am passionately pursuing Jesus with everything that I am. And, and with that, all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. So one of the things that we talked about last week, it was a Greek word that we didn't mention to you, but I want to mention it to you now. Okanam, oh, oh man, practice this one 27 times. Okanam, oikonomia, there it is, oikonomia. And it's the word steward. And here's what's really important for you to understand right now. When we're going to talk about everything that we're talking about today and the new image that Christ is trying to put on you, you should understand that you are nothing more than a steward of it. You are a manager of it. You know what David doesn't get to do? And for those who don't know, my name is David. So yes, I just talked about myself in third person. I don't get to come up here and make things up about the Bible. I don't get to come up here and tell you something about a Bible specifically so that it will benefit me and me alone. I don't get to manipulate you by saying things like this. You know the Bible says. Now, I could do all that. And the moment I did that, I would have a misunderstanding of what my role is as a pastor. You know what my role as a pastor is? It is to steward the word that God has for me. Stewarded in such a way that when God, who gave me this gift, and by the way, this is a parable in case you don't know it, I don't know if I have one talent, three talents, or five talents, but I know this, that the parable that God said, there'll be a day that he comes back to evaluate what I did with this gift. 
And I have a feeling the person with the one talent, who is called a wicked servant, got thrown away with the weeping and gnashing of teeth, I have, I'm wondering if somewhere along the line, he just used that talent just to benefit him. Why? Because he never did steward it. He never did do anything to make something better with it. When it comes to the gospel of Jesus Christ, we are called here to steward it. You are a keeper of this mystery. And let me ask you this. If God was the owner and you knew at some point you had to do your six-month to one-year eval with what he's given you according to the gospel of Jesus Christ, how would you do on your personnel eval right now? Would you sit there and go, man, God, I've made my life a lot better. Man, God, I've tried some things for me. Or are you going to say, God, I took the thing that you gave me. I've tried to steward it well by telling other people. How did you tell other people? Well, when they were naked, I dressed them. And by the way, when they were hungry, I fed them. When they were cold, I gave them a blanket. When they were in jail, I visited them. That's how we steward this, this thing that we're called to. And actually, we go on. See, I become intimidated by authors that I read. You know when people like say something profound? Who's the uh, Peterson? Jordan, Jordan Peterson. How many ever listen to him? Okay, so I listen to Jordan Peterson, and I've come to an understanding. He, on purpose, uses $10, word, $10 words when a two-cent thought could be implemented right there. Like, he just uses big, like, I always have to listen to him and listen to him. What is he trying to say? And there's other authors out there, podcasters out there that do that. And I sometimes become intimidated when I read these big thinkers, big writers, big authors, because you now have Paul telling me that I need to be a keeper of the gospel. And by the way, I need to take on, on my flesh that which Christ didn't finish. And I need to serve everybody. And this is the Apostle Paul who wrote the majority of the New Testament. This is Apostle Paul that was on his way on purpose to go to court in order to share his witness to the entire Roman Empire. This is the Apostle Paul that no matter when he was in a theological debate, his pedigree was better, his education was more sound, and his theology couldn't be stopped. And he's telling me to do it just like he did. And no offense, Apostle Paul, I'm not you. Does anyone else, else ever feel that way? You know, when we say things like this from the stage, go out and share your faith. How many of you go, yeah, I can do that right now. I eat a piece of cake. Or do you immediately go, eh, ain't going to happen, pastor. And let's be honest, we know that it won't because it's intimidating to step into a place that you never had by people that think it's easy for those of us that realize that it's actually hard. And then I realized that when the Apostle Paul was writing this, diakonus, is the word that he uses when he's saying that he is a keeper of the word. This is actually someone, ready for this? This is someone who's a waiter. The whole time he's telling us this is who we need to be. He's not saying a theologian. He's not saying know everything about Christ. He's not saying have the Bible memorized. He's not saying be a part of the 366 clubs, you know, because leap year comes around. Like, he's not saying any of those things. When Paul's trying to explain how it is we're supposed to live our life, he uses this word diakonos, which means a waiter, a person who brings the meals and take it away. Someone who can do, and I love this, this makes me feel good, an unskilled service or a common service. Does anyone ever want to feel like that of, I, I'm more unskilled than I am skilled? 
Really, you're not? Okay, then it's just me. And by the way, it's not just me. Sometimes I think it's my wife believing this about me. Why? Because I feel like telling you a story in the middle of nowhere. Here's what the story is. Ready? No one look this direction. You can look right at me. There's no big deal. So thank you. It is a little too late. So on Thursday night, we had to prep for a Friday family um, party for two of the boys. My wife was working late. She called and she said, hey, can you do me a favor? Make me a yellow cake and a chocolate cake. Now, if there's one thing that David knows how to do in this world, it's make dessert. And just so you know, I can make desserts without the box telling me what to do. It's, I have Genesis 1-1 memorized and most box desserts. Like, I know how to do this. So, so I made these box desserts. And then Cammie told me, hey, I need some whipped cream, and I need some pudding made, and I can read that, and I can mix. Three minutes mixing straight with a whisk. Has anyone ever done that? If that's not a forearm workout, I don't know what is. So then you switch your left hand, and you go, I'll struggle with the right. You know, like this thing, you don't know what it's doing. It's out there by itself. So I get everything prepped for her, and she comes in late, and she's tired, and she starts putting these cakes together. And as she's putting it together, I said, oh, I wish you would have told me what needed to happen. I could have tried to even do this, you know, help get you done for the day. How many parents, sometimes you just wish for the end of the day to get there? And I was, I was looking at my wife, and, I, and she goes, well, I don't know if I could have told you how to do this. These things have to be put in a very specific order. The bread, the pudding, the whipped cream, and the, the broken up chips, and then repeat. And, and she was like, so I'm not sure you could have handled that. And I paused. The next words out of my mouth were this, you know that they've taught monkeys how to do sign language, right? But you don't think you could have taught me how to do bread pudding, cream, chips, and repeat. And cookie crumbles, crumbles. it's it's the same thing. (laughs) Cookie crumbles. And I I doubled down, I said this, I said, you know, they've taught dogs how to know when their um, human owners are emotionally needing help and the dogs can go service them. Like, you know, they've taught animals this level, but you don't think I could be, here's the thing, God doesn't view us that dumb. Yeah, I'm not sure where I was going to go. I just told the story to try to, you know, it's called a trifle. Oh, it's called a trifle. Then why is it made with four things? (laughs) Going to throw that out there. By the way, if you're a guest here today and you thought you were coming for a monologue, you're wrong. We just talk the whole time. We just figure this thing out together. And here's what we're trying to figure out. When it comes to everything huge in the Gospels, when it comes to everything huge that God's called us to do, left to ourselves, we can't do any of it. I can't heal a broken bone. I can't pray away a tumor. I can't do any of that without Jesus. But here's what I can do. I can be someone who is unskilled in a service or common to a service, and Paul himself sees himself as a common person, nothing more than a waiter who can take away dirty dishes. When it comes to stewarding the mystery of the gospel, does anyone think that's below them or above them? It's just serving people. How is it that we're supposed to serve? We serve because we have this mystery inside of us. This mystery is who gets to the, uh, the fast food line first doesn't matter. Someone knowing Jesus does. 
having your way in an online argument about a a, a social issue, that's not going to solve the woes of this world. But you know who is? The person who's willing to serve someone else. And when they have legitimate questions, when they need mercy given to their life, you are sitting there dressed in something different and says, you know what? This thing's a little more lightweight. This thing isn't... Have you ever seen someone who's been wearing a jacket of shame? Have you ever been around someone who's been wearing a jacket because a loved one of theirs passed away and they haven't been able to get over the griefing process? I bet you, in my small way, I can show up to serve them. But the key to this, that's kind of the big picture. How do we practically do this? Ready for this? We practically do this by loving everyone, even when you don't agree with them. And dare I go as far as saying even when they're your enemies. Why do I say this? Because Luke chapter 6, verse 27. We know that there's a mystery hidden inside of us. We know that if we just put on the heart of a servant, we can give that away. But then in Luke 6, 27 through 36. But to those of you who are listening, I say this. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. And pray for those who mistreat you. And if someone slaps your one cheek, turn, them, uh, turn to them the other one also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to them who ask you. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Ready for this? The golden rule. Do to others as you would have them do unto you. Now I can tell you in just a couple months... We're going to go into a deep dive on what the golden rule is, how to apply it, and how we actually normally say it. I can't wait to talk about that for a couple weeks. But I do want to just say here and say this. If you love those who love you, what credit is that? Right? Even sinners love those who love them. Right? So if you're a sinner and you have the inherited jacket of Adam on you and you forgive the love those who love you what good is that and if you do good who do good to you what credit is that I mean sinners even do that and if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment what credit is that to you even sinners lend to sinners expected to be paid in full you know it's interesting as I'm kind of getting ready to show what this scripture says to me, I started thinking, love those who love you, uh, give to those who do good to you, lend to those who are going to pay back. Is there anybody in your life that you're not okay with that's doing exactly what you want them to do? Is there anybody in your life that you're angry with that is behaving exactly the way you want them to behave? Right? Is there anybody in your life that you have no disappointments in because every appointment you give them, they actually fulfill it. So let me say it this way. Is there a reason it's hard to love someone who's loving you back? Right? They're behaving exactly the way that you're supposed to. But what happens when we run into people that aren't behaving like us, that have a different nature? 
If you lend to those, in ver- or excuse me, verse 35, but love your enemies, do good to them, lend to them without expectation to get anything back, then your reward will be great and you will be the ch- child of the Most High because he has given you to the ungrateful and the wicked. Ready for this? Be merciful just as your father is merciful. So here's what, again, hopefully this is making sense to you. I'm going to put two jackets on now. See, we said earlier, as followers of Christ, what if our job was to help reverse the curse off of other people? Okay? But the other part of our job is for us to put on the jacket, us to put on salvation, us to put on holiness, or if I can say it this way, right side thinking versus left side thinking. Right? And so when we go and do something nice to someone else, something amazing happens. Not only do we help them pull the curse off of who they are, we actually bring up the blessing on who we're supposed to be. I hope this makes sense. I'm trying to say it in my head. We have a dual purpose. When we walk into the life of someone else, we have the opportunity to use right side thinking, right side characteristic, our intended design of Jesus Christ, or our inherited design of sin and death. And when I walk into a situation, may I just say, when you're not behaving the way I want you to behave, it feels really good to pull out the left side. It feels really good to pull out our inherited design versus our intended design because our inherited design allows us to blow up at them, allows us to scream at them, allows us to talk bad about them, post something. Oh, but I'm not really talking about them. Oh, inside you probably really are, right? And so every time we move into a situation when it comes to someone wanting something, someone demanding something, someone needing something, we have the opportunity in our life to either pull up our inherited design or put on our intended design. But oddly enough, the more that we pull up our intended design, we help take off their inherited design. We help roll back the curse, the Adamic curse that is here on the earth every time we move into a situation where you don't know... It's easier to act out of this jacket. It's easier to behave sinfully than it is to pause and hear what they have to say. But what if at the end of time, we love people when we need to, we give to people, we're merciful, and over time, we just keep pulling off of our jacket. There comes to the point where we do it often enough, say it often enough, behave it often enough, where we don't have to try to pull off the other one. We just have to keep it in the closet where it belongs. This is who I am. This is what I'm meant to be. And then people are going to see us in this jacket. People are going to see us in this clothing. This is our intended design. And they're going to see our life. And rather than expecting anything else from us, we can say, hey, do you want to wear the same thing? Well, how do I get it? Listen, I'm just a steward of it. By the way, I hope you get the jacket experience because I have to be pulling these things off at this point. Daddy just increased about 15 degrees in his... We're sweating up here. So hopefully that makes sense. So when it comes to how do you love your neighbor, let's say it like this. I love my neighbor by intentionally putting on the God clothes he called me to 
to help take off the sinful clothes that they've been bound with. What if we looked at it rather than, man, they're just retaliating. No, 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 that's their inherited design. They don't know a different way. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to steward what God has given to me to model for them a different way of doing it. Do you know that if you walk into any hostile situation, the greatest way to overcome the emotions of that situation is to come in there with the opposite emotion than it's currently there? So, for instance, you walk in and everyone's angry, try peace. Because if you come in with anger, the only thing you're coming in with more gasoline to throw on a fire that's already burning out of control, right? You go into a situation and everybody is hateful, everybody is mean, everybody is saying negative things. Come in one time. Come into your work environment where everyone's sitting around bashing a manager. Step into that situation and only say positive things. Guaranteed two things are happening. Number one, that group breaks up. Right? Because there's a different energy. There's a different personality. Different coming in. Number two, the next time they want to gossip about the manager, you won't be invited. Right? Because your clothing starts sticking out and they go, listen, you don't belong in this group anymore. But there could be someone in that group that is so tired of the jacket that they're wearing, they say to you, can you help pull off this inherited design that I have because I want to intentionally get to the design of my designer. And the whole time in the back pocket or the inside pocket of what this is, why are we doing all of this? Because we are keepers of a mystery. And what is the mystery? Ready for this? You don't have to come to a building. You don't have to come to a pastor. You don't have to come to a priest, and you don't have to come to the Ark of the Covenant. You get to go to the Christ in you, which, by the way, is our hope of glory. And so, God, I just thank you. Lord, I so often... I have this mental picture in my head and I pray today I was able to present it in a way that was actually meaningful and understanding to everyone here with us today. Help us today, God, to believe that we have this valuable message. Nations are going to come and go. Tribes and tongues and cultures may fade away, but your kingdom is here to stay, God. And for me to understand that I wear the clothes of a kingdom citizen, help me understand to steward that in a powerful way. And some of us may stand on stages, others may write books and blogs, but most of us, God, I put myself in this category, most of us are just going to be available for the one other person to help pull a jacket off. Help me become a servant. Help me understand the role that I play in this thing. Help me help other people become free because I'm intentionally, I'm almost going to say I'm radically devoted to doing this for you, God. So for our partnership with you to roll back the curse, we say thank you. But the calling that you've given us to bring on the glory, God, we step into that today. If you're here today and you have your eyes closed, could I just ask you to keep your eyes closed for one more minute? If, if, if you're a guest or maybe you've been coming for a while, 
you know, I have made it very clear that I believe that we have a sin nature, but God wants to give us his nature. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, if you're watching us in our online community, I, just, I need to take two minutes right now to tell you about Jesus Christ, God of heaven and earth. He was the invisible that stepped into the tangible, and he walked on earth. He died on a cross. You've probably heard this story every Easter, every Christmas, but it is true that we serve the one God rather than us chasing him, he came to us. And he died on a cross to forgive you of your sins so that you could have eternal life. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior with all eyes closed, head bowed, no one's looking around, just you and I talking. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and you're ready to say a prayer and to give your heart to him, could I just ask you to raise your hand just so that I can see that you've made that decision. And as decisions and hands are going up in this room, I'm going to talk to our online community. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, listen, a tab's going to pop up in the middle of your screen. The moderator's going to throw something in a chat that says, make sure to like this comment. And we want to connect with you. But if you're in our online community or if you're sitting here with me in per person, could I ask everybody around the room to say this prayer? Dear Jesus, today is the day that I heard about a mystery. And I get it. You want to live inside of me. And today, I welcome you. Become Lord of my life. Forgive me of my sins. And from this day forward, I follow you. God, I thank you for every hand that went up. I thank you for every mouth that confessed. And I believe for every person in their heart that believed that, that they are saved. Now, God, thank you for preparing us for heaven. Now, help us the rest of this week prepare heaven for earth. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thanks again for joining us this week on the Navigation Church podcast. We hope this message strengthened and encouraged you in the next step of your journey. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a rating and review. And if you want more information about Navigation Church or wish to connect with us in more ways, visit navchurch.org, download the Nav app in your app or Google Play Store, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and even like the Navigation Church page on Facebook. And again, make sure and subscribe to this podcast so you never miss a single message. For now... No Navigation Church is always here to help you discover and take your next step in a growing relationship with Jesus Christ.